Welcome back to Question Marks. I'm DC Matthews, at the DC Matthews. Uh, the guy I'm talking to, it, hopefully you have heard the first episode. If you have not, pause this, leave this, go listen to that, one of the most fascinating hours of conversation I've ever had. Uh, Armbar Abbott is back, our good buddy Glenn, at GA Russell Nut. Uh, Glenn, how are you? What, what's good. what's going on? I'm very on? good. I'm uh, very good. We're in the midst of quarantine, and I think we may have touched on it a little bit. What's the world like uh, over there in the UK, in your neck of the woods? Very quiet. Everybody is staying at home, apart from me, of course. So, working in retail is now an essential worker. So, I'm still having to go to work and fight off the hordes of people although they've started limiting the amount of people in the store at one time, which has finally been a good thing. At the weekend, there was no way that we were going to be able to keep any social distancing or anything because people would just be grabbing at stuff and generally being pains in the what's-it. Do you have to call upon your martial arts training to break up a fight of any kind? No, no. I've only ever done that once since I've worked in retail, and that was in a different company where some uh, irate customer had me by the throat and I defended myself. <laughs> of course you did. Well, we're a minute 30 in there, folks, and already we have a fascinating tale of <laughs> Armbar Abbott fighting off rabid customers at the shops. Um <laughs> But you're safe. You have everything you need. Do I need to, you know, get Che or somebody yes. to come deliver you anything? No, no, I'm fine. Go I ahead. had a little bit of a drama. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That basically my charger, my charger lead broke on my phone. But Amazon came to my my aid, and they're still delivering. They delivered today, so my phone's all nicely fully charged. Crisis averted. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, when we left, when last we left our hero, Armbar Abbott, uh, it is SummerSlam 92. It's actually after the pay-per-view, SummerSlam 92. Uh, he is a guest of one Davy Boy Smith. Um, he goes to dinner with Davy, the new Intercontinental Champion, and among the guests at the table is The Undertaker. And so obviously they're not talking about, you know, cemeteries or anything but that's where we left it. We kind of paused there. So take us on the next step of the journey. You, you've been a pro wrestler. I know your career kind of wrapped up in the ring right around the same time. I think you said 93? Yep. All right. Yes, yeah. What brought that on? Was yeah. it just time for a change? There was so few companies around doing promotions at that time. Um, British, British uh, wrestling was on its knees basically during the the mid to late nineties and into the, the early noughties. Is that what it's called? The noughties? I suppose well, so. Yeah. 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 I've never heard that before, but I might have to start <laughs> using that. That's a good one. So what else are you, you know, through all this, we had been talking a lot about British wrestling and things. What major companies are you watching? Are you getting the WWF over there? Even back in the, well, probably not in the, 70s and 80s. It wasn't until the 80s that it became sort of a global phenomenon. But at what point do you start watching 
whether it's the NWA or WCW or the WWF? I actually started, I actually discovered American wrestling as such in, it would have been 1989, I think 1990, where our local video rental store, for those youngsters amongst us, there, there, there was such things back in the day where you went to and you rented your VHS video for the night and paid a nominal sum and took it back the next day and got another one. And they had um, several videos with WCW pay-per-views on them. And I started watching those and got hooked on Flying Brian as he was back then and the Stein as they were about. And yeah, there was quite a few big names. It's when it was at his height, really. WCW the, was better than WWE at the time, sure. as I found out watching back on WWE. The the Steiner brothers, to me, have always been kind of an American version of the British Bulldogs, and not just because Rick Steiner is the dog-faced gremlin, but just because it's like they're going to probably hurt whoever they're wrestling. They're not necessarily going to mean to, but it's just kind of that snug style that they all have. Um all right, so you've discovered it around 89. So that still brings us here. So you said British wrestling in a kind of at a low point in the 90s because the WWF has sort of taken over. Um, so yeah. walk me through what the, 90, the rest of the 90s looked like for uh, good old Armbar Abbott. Um, it didn't revolt. There was no wrestling really. Apart from watching the odd, um, I, th- I can't remember what year it was that um, Sky started picking up on the WWF as it was at the time. And I started watching some of that because it was on telly. But uh, it was mainly, I did get, I, I, I was interested in the WWF because I'd seen the SummerSlam, no, uh, Survivor Series where the good old Undertaker turned up yep. for the first time. And I thought, wow, that's a character. And I still never forget probably the Brain Heenan's uh, comment, has he got counted out? He said he might be big, but he's certainly dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting way to bring him out, you know, because I think, what is he, yeah, is he was. brawling with Dusty at that point? And, he, you know, they both get counted out. I think that's how they wind up fighting to the I, back, if I, I remember correctly. I think that's how it happened, or Dusty had been eliminated and then he came back. That might be it, but yeah. I think that's, I think that was the case, that he actually came back and, the, and it's, attacked the Undertaker and the Undertaker went for him and mm-hmm. got himself counted out. So your wrestling career wraps up around 93. Uh, do, did you yeah. miss it? Or at that point were you like, look, I've done this far more than I ever no. expected to? No, cause back at, by that time I was I was working most weekends in, in pubs and clubs. I was actually going, finishing a pub at 11 o'clock when the pub closed and going carry me my record case as it was at the time down the road to a local club and working in there till two in the morning so i didn't actually miss wrestling that much at that time yes we if, if you 
forgotten or if you've missed the first episode, not only is Glenn Abbott a former professional wrestler, but he is also uh, quite the accomplished <laughs> spinner of discs, as they say. So yes. anything else you want to mention about the 90s? You've mentioned that, you know, you have uh, children. I'm sure that's happened at some was, point in there. It happened a lot earlier. So were you wrestling whilst being a father? I was. I was. Did they? A, lot, a lot with them. <laughs> yeah. Did they come with you to the show? You know, like you see in WWE, no. they're able to bring. And I imagine in the pubs and such, it's probably not the same case. Uh, were any of them interested in wrestling the same way you were? No, but my granddaughter, she was. She was the one that, especially, like in the late nineties and early two thousands, we uh, I, I'd sit up and watch. Raw or SmackDown in the uh, early hours of the morning over here, and uh, my granddaughter would always make sure that she stayed over on a Monday night and sneak down in the early hours to watch watch the watch the wrestling with Granddad. That's adorable. <laughs> and now we can now you know how old is your granddaughter now? Is she going to be Armbar Abbott the second? She's twenty six. She's training at Dragon Pro at the moment. Wait, are you serious? Yes. <laughs> I was just... All right. You heard it here first. Uh, exclusive here. Armbar Abbott number two. Uh, <laughs> oh, that just makes me happy. Of yeah, course she, she is. Uh, of course she is. Of course she is. All right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if she's going to do it because she's quite an accomplished gymnast as well. So that's still her first love. Without me knowing, she actually answered an advert that they put out on... Twitter, I think it was, that they were doing a open day and she went, tried out and they were quite impressed with her, obviously, athletic ability. Sure. And and uh, she'd taken a few bumps in our living room over the years. So I was she knew say, to take I'm sure she's been taught a she... trick or two by granddad at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Can, <laughs> Being can... thrown onto the couch and things. <laughs> Can you, you know, uh, uh, yeah. can you pop in and be a guest instructor? I, th I, you know, I think we need to make that happen. Um, it's a long way away. It's a long, long way away. <laughs> hey, I'm still trying to get you into the performance center, but Triple H won't answer my tweets. So maybe someday. <laughs> no. uh, yeah. We've got another story about that, but that'll come up in a little bit. Oh, all right. Not about so... Triple H. <laughs> Of course it will. Uh, so take us through the next time, you know, you, you kind of not necessarily fall away with it, but just circumstance kind of brings you out of the pro wrestling world. Uh, at what point yeah. does pro wrestling, besides watching it on Sky Sports or any of that, uh, at what point does it come back into your life? Uh, about 2005, I started going on Twitter for the first time, not on the WrestleNet account, on another account. And I followed a guy, Chris Travis, who was a high flyer at the time. Mm -hmm. And he followed me back, which was which is nice of him. And we got to be friends. And unfortunately, he developed cancer. Um, but before that, we were we were actually campaigning to build up British wrestling again and try and get it back on TV. We were doing what ITV decided to, that they were going to do and absolutely ruined it. But, uh, that's beside the point. 
Um, so yeah, I got I started talking with Chris and uh, started going to a few shows, watching him, and got back into it. Not not throwing myself around, but if there was a local show, I'd go down there, show my face, and people started to get to know who I was, mainly through uh, guys at Pro Wrestling Eve, Dan Reed and his missus. They were, so they, they knew me, and I uh, to turn up at places and help out on the uh, concession stands and the gimmick stands and selling merch for these companies. And just bumming my way through watching a few shows like that. So tell me about the companies. You've mentioned Pro Wrestling Eve. Uh, what else was there yeah. around this time? It was IPW. Sure. And uh, um, Dragon Pro was going over in... That was the early days of um, Flash and that lot had just finished uh, doing their, their garden backyard wrestling and they'd started up this independent promotion in Wales called Dragon Pro uh, got to a couple of their shows um, basically um, oh the other one was uh, Preston PCW Preston City Wrestling yep. Chris used to do Chris used to work for them a lot so every now and then I'd jump in a on a train and go up to Preston to watch them so, help out on their merch stand. Again, for us Americans who are terrible with any geography, including our own, um, you're talking, you know, the UK in our minds is not that big. How far apart are these, you know, the, the kind of the, the home of what, IPW versus Pro Wrestling Eve versus Dragon Pro. You're mentioning Wales and you're mentioning all of these different places. Eve. Yeah, Eve started uh, in a place called Hemel Hempstead, which is just outside, just outside London. It took me about an hour and a half to get there. Um, ironically, I've never been to a show that they've, that they've actually held in. London. They moved to London, and I've never been able to get to one of their shows. <laughs> Hopefully, within the next year, I'll be able to because uh, now I'm a free agent again. Sure. I can do what I like on my weekends. That I'm off, so. I'm hoping to get to one of their shows and meet up with Dan. Yeah, so they were in London. Um, Wales is about oh, 400 miles away. Okay. And Preston is about 300 up in the north of the country. I'm hopeless with distances, so I'm sure Che or somebody will contradict me on where these places are we're, we're getting distance the, goes but we'll be, a fair distance away we'll be generous i'm sure che won't say anything about that be like well it's actually 282 <laughs> miles but um yeah <laughs> but at the but at the same time all right so they're you know they're a decent distance they away are. so it's going to take it's mm-hmm. going to take some effort in a day or so to get up there to see some of these shows all right that makes sense now you mentioned flash yeah. now i remember Maybe it was one of our earliest drafts that we did, and you said the name. There was the first time I'd ever heard the name Flash Morgan Webster, and I was like, Glenn is just making up stuff. 
He's just like, he's just putting <laughs> words together and saying they're wrestlers. And because I don't know any better, I'm writing it down. And then all of a sudden you sent me like a picture and then I found a video. And now he's, you know, for me, because I watch NXT UK, he's a household name. I know the mod father. Um, you know, so you said Flash Morgan Webster about this time. Who else? Who else are the are the guys? And again, whether it's 2005, 2006 or so. Who are the guys that you're starting uh, um, to be aware of? There's uh, oh, Eddie Dennis. He yep. he was just coming up. The guy that I just learned uh, a lot teacher, of, uh, despite the fact that people have told me many times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sure I've told you a few times he was a head teacher. Yes. Once you said that, I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. But I, I watch things and it's like I'm a goldfish. I watch things and it's like I'm seeing it for the first time. Uh, all, the, all the lads from the Midlands. These these are all a little bit later, but yeah, there was a uh, Trent and uh, Tyler. Mm-hmm. I met them, and it's it's uh, well, Ligs Elligro Elligro, yeah, but that's the story to come with uh, meeting up with the guys from Pro Progress. Okay, so. I just have to go back to Flash Morgan Webster for just a second. So he is the mod father again. He, just for he, p- yeah, he wasn't back then. Yes, I'm sure. He was but, only, he was only a fresh faced youth that only just starting out when I first. But just because I don't know him. what what is mod. You had two groups in the '60s of uh, rebellious youths. So I say there was the mods and there was the rockers. The rockers obviously were the ones in the leather jackets with the DA haircuts and rode around on sure. big meaty bikes. Yep, Shawn Michaels, and Marty Jannetty, the I know mods. The rockers. <laughs> and the mods were uh, very sharp suits, ties, button-down shirts, Crombie jackets, Parkers, and rode around on scooters. And every summer they'd all meet up in various different seaside towns and beat the crap out of one another with various objects. Okay. Were you part of one of these groups? No. No, I was too young back then. Okay. Right. Doing that sort of thing. I, with you, Glenn, anything is possible. So I just have to ask just in case <laughs> you've got like a mod card and I don't know about it. I would say I was, it, when I, when I was that young, um, just because I I, in, I like wearing proper trousers and Chelsea boots and nice shirts. Well, my mother liked dressing me up in them. So, yeah, I would say that back then I was a mod more than the rocker, like the Beatles and that sort of, and the Who and those sort of bands. So, yeah, I would say I was more of a mod than a rocker back then. All right, fair enough. Although too young to be going out on bikes and things. It's a shame. They would have added such a great wrinkle to your story. <laughs> All right. So it's the middle of the 2000s. You're, you're yeah. getting involved in the UK kind of independent scene. You're starting to try to get it back on TV. At what point did it go off of TV? 80, 87, 88. It, came, it went off. Okay. It was, it was one of those things where it used to be primetime Saturday evening viewing. And then they decided that they were going to put it on at lunchtime. And then it went up to 10 o'clock in the morning. And 
at that time in the morning on a Saturday morning, it was only kids watching, so it just didn't stand a chance, really. So you're working concessions, you're working the gimmick stands, you're meeting people, you're making connections. Yep. Are you finding yourself kind of helping out one promotion more than the others, or are you kind of just wherever you can get there, you get there? That was that was that was it back then. It was just when I could get there, I'd get there. When when I wasn't working on a weekend, or um, it was viable to travel. Sure, I wasn't. Uh, you know, once once a month, I'd always go and see wherever Chris was. I'd try to make the effort to make go and see where Chris was. But uh, apart from that, there was no real effort. To, that came along in two thousand and twelve. I think it was yeah, two thousand and twelve. I started going regularly to shows again. Did you at any point try to convince one of these independent wrestling shows that they needed a house DJ and that you were the perfect guy for the job? <laughs> um, no. Dan, Dan has uh, put it forward to me a couple of times that he wouldn't mind me doing ring announcing, but... Uh, it, it may be an option to next year once I... But if he starts up... His his Mal mix promotion again. Where if they if they decide that they're going to do that, then I might do some of that next year for him. All right, just a bit of ring announcing. Be for on him. the lookout for Armbar the announcer Abbott coming to you potentially twenty twenty one. If we can ever <laughs> yeah. leave the house again, that would be great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Again, we're jumping all around here. Um, are how are these promotions doing? with all the craziness going on right now? A lot of them, are, well, I think most of them are shut down at the moment. Yeah, I would imagine so. You know, yeah. it's not like they can yeah, do their I've stuff. Not, I've actually, I've, yeah, I've only seen one that's advertising a show, um, but everywhere else, and I think that was, that's probably been cancelled now. Sure. It was last week, I noticed that on Twitter, but since the big, oh, excuse me, isn't it? Well, well, make sure, The friends. big announcement. What was that? Yeah. <laughs> the big announcements on on Monday, where we had our prime minister telling us we're all going to be naughty if we go out the door. Or yeah, you're on lockdown. Or do lockdown. anything that's. Yeah, we're on lockdown. Lockdown now. So. Well, once you go hot. to bit.ly/slash/helpabestie, and you support our good buddy Armbar Abbott, go out there and support some of these independent wrestlers, be them British, American, wherever, because a lot of these people are finding it very hard to get gigs and. Uh, earn some money in this crazy time. So if you can help somebody out back to it. So when does progress come into the picture here? My mate rang me up who lived in Islington and basically said, I've seen a poster for a wrestling show. Do you fancy coming? And, uh, I wasn't living that far. Well, we were all, I was living in London and just down the road really from where he, he lived and, we decided that we'd give him a go and see what it was all about. Um, it was in a place called The Garage in the, the borough of Islington in London, and uh, they were expecting about 50 people and had the seat in for 50 people, and 120 turned up. Oh. And it was a scramble around to get seats from wherever could get them, because their first show, it was basically pay on the door. There was a queue halfway down the street. 
even back then for for it. And uh, we, uh, I saw Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Havoc. Yep. And I said, "Well, my nan lives sort of five minutes down the road. I'm sure she's got some seats." Now, even if they're uh, garden chairs and things that we could borrow. And he said, all right, we'll sling them in the back of my car. He said, come on then, jump in. And we're off we went down to down three names and picked up half a dozen chairs, these folding chairs, brought them back. And uh, hey, that's where I, my friendship with Mr. Jimmy Havoc started. Of course, you meet Chris Travis yeah. on Twitter. You meet Flash Morgan Webster because he's you know training and wrestling. And you know, within five or ten minutes of meeting Jimmy Havoc, you're in his car driving and picking up chairs. This yeah. makes this all makes yeah. total sense. This is this happens <laughs> all the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it was it was absolutely surreal. It was absolutely surreal. The the, the fact that so many people turned up that well, on that first show. Um, and is that progress one? I don't know how they do it. Do they do episodes? That was that was that was chapter one. Chapter one. Yeah, that was chapter one. And so from there, are you know because you helped get chairs? Are you like on the inside at this point, or is it just this is the, you know you're you're kind of bought in now that you've kind of helped them get started? Well, well, I was uh, elevated in that first show from having a general ticket to being from. Front of front house, front of show. Sure. Well, which uh, progress at that time was maybe you'd get a seat or maybe you'd just stand by a barrier. <laughs> it's a bit at the front, but you paid a little bit extra for it. So, yeah, um, the second one, I didn't pay. Jimmy, Jimmy just said, carry my case in. Jim won't mind. <laughs> uh, I said, no, I'll, I'll, I'm going to have to start contributing because you know, it's not fair on the lads. They put all their money into it. And in those early days, by the time they'd hired the venue and the ring and everything else, because back then they didn't own their own ring. Sure. Uh, they, they, were, they were running at a loss, even with, the, even with the extra people that they were getting. I don't know how they would have thought that they were going to survive on 50 people, but they, they did. And then second show I met this crazy geezer with a mask and giant horns wandering around his uh, gimmick was that he was Mexican but spoke with a very northern accent of course (laughs) and that was Ligero Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you know again you're not necessarily you know part of the, the booking team or anything but you just happen to be at this place at this time and you know i think if you ask a general person you know even an american like name a uk promotion progress is probably going to be one of the ones that they name unless they name of course nxt uk but uh that's correct that's that's amazing and so how many of those shows have you been to i went to the first 12 chapters and after that then life took over sure I got a job where I had to work weekends and <laughs> I was just, it was just sad that because of my partner's illness, I couldn't get to the show 100, which was just before Christmas. I would like to have got to that because it was Jim's last show as well. Mm-hmm. Life gets in the way. Life keeps throwing curveballs and all of this. It does. It does. It does. It does. So 
you're, you, you are a vital part of the birth of progress. You, you wind yeah, up provider with six chairs. <laughs> hey, you know what? Those six people were happy to have those chairs, Glenn. <laughs> That's correct. That is correct. <laughs> um, at what point you, you sort of name dropped uh, the villain, Marty Skrull, a couple yeah. weeks ago. When Kind of when I was like, all right, we need to have this show. We need to sit down and have this conversation. How do you wind up meeting Marty Skrull? Um, again, it was... I think it was five or six that they chapter five or six that he started with progress. Again, somebody probably the better of the, the history of this thing will t- totally contradict me. But and uh, at that time he was part he was party Marty. He wasn't even the villain. His um, name was Party Marty. Party Marty. Party oh my, Marty's girl. I had no <laughs> idea that was my goodness. <laughs> and Jimmy said, you've got to talk to this guy because Jimmy knew that I was involved with the, with the union in what we should call my shoot job at that time. Sure. Because I was working full time. And uh, he said, you've got to get him. You've got to talk to this guy because he's been going on and on, on, on and on about getting wrestlers in this country unionized. And that's how we got talking. Jimmy introduced me. We got chatting about unions and what we could do and so did insurances you, and that sort of thing. Did you get them unionized? No, no, we never managed it. We were, we were basically got it just about affordable that your average wrestler could afford the, the insurance premiums. We'd found somewhere to do it. And then he got hauled off to ROH. Got it. You mentioned earlier, we'll get back to this, but you mentioned earlier that you were involved in the, you know, kind of the push to get British wrestling back on TV. Mm. When when did that finally happen for everybody? What, when it finally got back on? Yes. Or when did it? Oh, that was only a few years ago. That was when they first announced NXT UK and... Uh, ITV, one of our major channels, decided that they were going to resurrect the world of sport, WLS wrestling. And the trouble is, is that talking to some of the lads that were involved in that, including leagues, it was it was a good idea, except the fact that everybody that was producing and directing it had no clue about wrestling. They were all used to doing like uh, variety shows and that sort of thing. Sure, and they they were trying to run a wrestling show the same way. And unfortunately, it wasn't going to work. And then NXT UK made it big. Yep. And that second, and that's it. And nearly all the the world of sport guys took part in the uh, the the second incarnation of NXT UK's the tournament selection process process tournament yeah and sure that was the one won from by, there that was it that was the one won by Zach Gibson right that was yeah why yeah why was, why do we take our shoes off for Zach Gibson um I'm not really sure because that started 
after I left, uh, after I couldn't get to progress. Sure. I'm not really sure why, they, but the the early days when um, they were the origin, there was him, Leagues, Dave Mastiff, and I can't. Oh, Nathan Cruz was the other one. Okay. And they were called. The, they were a, a faction called the the Origin, and they were Hills. Zach, even back there, was such a such a good promo. Yeah, he, he he was he was first person that I ever knew that couldn't complete complete a promo because he was being drowned out by the booze so much. Yeah, it was pretty impressive at one point. You know, I I watched the second UK tournament and I don't remember being like incredibly impressed with Zach Gibson, but as I've watched him since then and the promos that he's cut, I'm like, oh, they 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 hate you in the way that you're supposed to hate a heel. That's it's like, right. We love you, yeah. but we hate you, so we're gonna we really hate, you. hate you. Yeah, you really, yeah, you are the most loathsome person on the God's earth, and we love you for it. Yes. <laughs> What is, and again, we'll get back to the union thing, but what is uh, the perception of, you know, someone like you who was there for the onset of all of these independent promotions in the UK? You just named a whole bunch of names, and every single one of them, with the exception of Nathan Cruz, I think, is either in the NXT UK system or, like Marty Skrull, in ring of honor nwa like you know how does it feel on That's your right. end is, is it is it is there a pride is it depressing oh, because they've left what's what's going on no no i couldn't be more more proud of them and happy for all of them that they're, they're doing what they want to do and earning decent money doing it and it's a it, it, it is a it's people don't realize that these people you know, um, your average fan who saw them for the first time either in the first NXT UK tournament or the second one don't realise that these, some of these guys have been working 16, 17 years to get where they are. These are not overnight stars. They're, they're people that have worked damn hard to get where they got to. I make... couldn't be more proud of them. Good. Uh, how far is it for you to get to Dublin? It's about three hours on the plane, about okay. two, about an hour and a half bus ride from here to Stansted Airport, and then about another three hours on a plane, about two or three hours on a plane. All right, because I know you're a free agent he, now, but it was I think it was just today or yesterday that uh, the next NXT UK takeover, which was supposed to be next month, obviously has been postponed. It's now happening in October, and it's going to be in Dublin. So that seems like a drive, you know, I don't drive 30 minutes to go see a wrestling show, let alone any amount of hours. But I, I think at some point you've got to be at one of these shows just so you can see all of these people that, you know, you've known since they were just starting out. Yeah. I get, get, uh, get in the front row with my DDT wrestling T-shirt on. <laughs> well that would be nice too that would be nice too but that's yeah. not essential I just want you there but yeah sure if you want to give us a plug while you're there that would be fantastic you say that it's amazing I'm, I think there's still a couple that do that the ring crew and the security lads at IPW who listen to you really yeah I can't get any of them to email 
can't get them to become besties, but they've but when I first when I turned up my first IPW show with my DDT wrestling t shirt on, they'd all seen it on Twitter. <laughs> and I was treated like royalty. <laughs> You've just made my day, my friend. Oh, that's why that's why I think, you know, I understand that things in the UK are not necessarily any better than things are Anywhere else or in the U.S. especially. But one of these days, I think Doc and I are just going to move. You're going you know, <laughs> to come outside your house and we're just going to be sitting on the porch recording a podcast like across the street. And we'll be like, Glenn, get over here. <laughs> All right. So you meet Marty Skrull by discussing unions. There's, there's, yeah. pretend, there's work done to try to unionize, which would be a fantastic idea across the board. Uh, but then Marty gets, you know, goes to Ring of Honor. Um, so what happens next? Where, you know, where do you go from there? Again, real life obviously takes a toll. You've got family, yes. you've got a partner with health issues. You've, you know, when does the DJing end or are you still doing that um, on the sly? No, DJ ended in 2014, although I was offered, um, to help out, uh, a family do that was supposed to be going on in in April that's now been cancelled, unfortunately. Mm. And the wedding that was in August that in the balance on whether it's going to go ahead or not with one of my colleagues at work, I said I'd do that for a, as a as a wedding present. So I may be making a comeback. My hiatus may be ending, but it will depend on the coronavirus more than sure. anything else. When when the dust settles, I'm telling you, go to these British be like, and no one else has a DJ that is also the ring announcer. I can do both. Like I can play yeah, the entrance yeah. music. We can like. You say you say that there is one. Oh, is there really? <laughs> yeah, there there is one. Oh. The trouble is, is you he, he's terrible, and I've been to a couple of his shows. I feel like going up to him and saying, "Dude, I know you're the owner." But give it up. Let me do it. You can do it ten times better than you. <laughs> I, I support you. I support you in all of that. And if you need to brawl, we know you can brawl. So, uh, you know, we don't need to get into it. But now that the, the dust has settled, um, once everything with the coronavirus kind of wraps itself up, Lord knows when that's going to be, Um you, you said you plan on getting back out there. Did I miss any other yeah. major wrestling events? Did you did you help create any other wrestling companies? Did you invent a wrestling move and I just haven't asked the right question yet? No, 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 no. The next, the next best, the next, the next biggest event on in on my calendar was having being followed by one Doc Manson. Who then introduced me to DC Matthews. That's true. Coming this who way. Who then said, uh, 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 who, "Who said I've got a friend, DC Matthews, and he wants me to do a podcast with him." And I said, "Well, if you do, I will listen." And I've listened ever since. You are you are the bestest of the besties for a reason. You know, we <laughs> we set up this Patreon page, and I don't remember if you were the uh -huh. first, but at one point, Doc is like, "You understand." he's giving us X amount of dollars a month. And I was like, no. And he like showed me and I was like, yeah. I, we love this man. We love this man so much. Yeah. Uh, the besties, speaking of that, you are the bestest of the besties. 
Yes. The besties have asked some questions, and I tried to incorporate them, but your story is so good that really we just needed to save the questions for the end. Um, I didn't write down who asked these questions, but uh, you may have already mentioned it, but what is the wackiest story uh, that you can think of that has happened to you in... And you could pick anything because really your life is interesting wrestling or no wrestling, but the wackiest story of something that has happened to you. Oh, that is a one. Um, I, I, I would think the, the, the barroom brawl that we spoke of in the last one, where it, it was like something out of a Western. Sure. You know, my mother said it was <laughs> people standing on the bar, kicking people in the head and all sorts. It was, it was absolute manic. So, yes, I think that would be one of the wackiest. Uh, This might be the same story, but how close have you ever come to being arrested? And is there a story about that? I believe that question comes from Jeremy. (laughs) Uh, Yes, that one. (laughs) That was being naughty with a young lady outside somewhere. Um, We got nearly caught by a policeman. (laughs) I'm not saying any more than that about it. I don't need to hear any more about that. Now I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I told you. I I, to, I warned you, you in did. the chat no. that you would be uncomfortable with that answer. <laughs> you did indeed. I stand warned. Uh, let's see. I had Danielle's questions up and they disappeared. Now i got to scroll all the way back. Uh, Ryan, the ultimate warrior, asks... Uh, first he asks, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? And then he asks, why can't woodchucks... Chuck Wood, uh, in case you feel like answering that question. Pass. All right. Sorry, Ryan. I asked. That was all I said I would do. All right. Danielle. I'll I'll answer him. I'll answer him that one in person. I'll have to think of an answer for that one that justifies the warrior. Danielle's got a bunch of questions. Uh, What is one thing? She would that has remained consistent in the wrestling business. And I'm going to amend this question to the UK, to UK wrestling Uh, across from, from Jackie Palo through to Tyler Bate and Trent seven. Has there anything that has remained consistent in the wrestling business in the UK over the years? The high quality of wrestling, not just brawling, but wrestling technical holds, good escape moves, um, the lads, as they've come on, they, there was a whole generation that had nobody to learn from. So they went back to the archives and learned from the people like Johnny Saint and all, all the classic wrestlers. So that's something that's been the one constant in it is that you'll always get at least one match with very good wrestling in it wherever you go, whatever promotion it is in the UK. Everything I've seen from the UK, I've liked. So, you know, you mentioned progress in the chapters and I'm watching so much wrestling at this point, but since it's probably likely, I'm going to have the next few months off. I, I'm kind of like, maybe I need to find a way to get into progress. Cause I, I could get into that. Um, I'm going to add a question before we get to another one of Danielle's questions. Uh, just, for a homework assignment for the people listening, uh, three wrestlers, I probably know who you're going to pick, but three wrestlers from the the golden age 
of UK wrestling that you would recommend people look up and do their due diligence on and find some matches? Uh, Johnny Saint, um, of course, Stephen Regal. Even even in his early British matches, he was he, you could see he was something special. And the other one would be Mick McManus, the ultimate heel. All right, Johnny Saint, Steve Regal, Mick McManus. I was I was sure Les Kellett was going to be on that list, but I'll add well, him as a fourth. Well, I've already I've, I've already mentioned him you last, have. That's uh, on the last one. That's very and true. Everybody know everybody that's probably listening to this knows I've I publicised Les Kellett so many times. And I've got quite a few of them. I've Doug Jeremy's looked at some of his work. So uh, I didn't think, uh, you know, I thought I'd go a bit more te- res- technical wrestling-wise rather than just the, the, the character-based. Well, I appreciate it. Um, what is the farthest country you have ever traveled to? Um, the States. And when were you here? Back, um, a weekend. We were flown. Um, I was part of the Great Britain schoolboy golf team. We flew in. Um, we played a tournament down in Florida against the US, and then flew home again. That was rather surreal. Walking around a golf course with big signs up saying "Beware of the alligators." Sure. Did Did you at that time know what an alligator was? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was fourteen, so I'd, I'd, I'd seen them. I'd, I'd seen them in the zoo. Sure. <laughs> so you just you waited till this point to throw out that you were part of the UK schoolboy golf team. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's that's how that's how fascinating your life is. Is that that fact? You know, just gets kind of dropped in as a little extra near the end. Uh, have you started writing a book yet? Because clearly, you need to. <laughs> I might actually. <laughs> I think you, I really think you, I will be the first person to buy the book. Hey, that's a podcast. Uh, and <laughs> let's see. One area. This is a Danielle's final question. One area that the current wrestling model, business, entertainment, storytelling, etc., is lacking in. Um, it's just storytelling, really, especially with the bigger companies. Um, Small promotions, they don't need it. You throw two two blokes together and they fight, and that that's it. You don't need to build a story. But when we're constantly on TV, um, it's shown with the popularity of the NWA shows, apart from them being free, of course, is that they're creating stories every week. It's not about it's not so much about the wrestling. It's about the story. It's a it's the good old fashioned create a story. Give the two guys or women a reason to fight. And there's a lot of that where it doesn't happen now. Just throw them together and, oh, well, they're they're wrestling. That's what gets people frustrated. Sure. You mean you're not excited to watch Bobby Lashley wrestle Aleister Black at WrestleMania? I would be. Um, I can understand why they're just going to do it now. Sure. But if it had been a normal year... I would have liked to have seen some build up of why they were doing it. You know, they tease that, that it doesn't 
suddenly going to Bobby Lashley from his last match with The Undertaker turning up against AJ Stubb. It doesn't run as uh, any reason, so, unless Bobby actually is suddenly going to join the OC. I hope not. <laughs> no, I hope not as well. But but you can see my point is that there's no there's no reason all, all of a sudden there's no reason to go from the OC and AJ Styles to just jump to Bobby Lashley. And you can't tell me that they would have had a story that would have led up to that in the middle of that. No, not at all. Because <laughs> they because they wouldn't have, you know, they would have just say oh no, they would just stick those two together and see what happens. Are you going to stay up both nights and watch WrestleMania live? No. Yeah, I. I'm... No, I, don't, I. I would have done. Um, I had other years. I've actually booked the Mondays off of work, so to stay up and watch it on Sunday night. I actually went to Cardiff to uh, one year uh, a couple of years ago, down to Cardiff, watch a, a wrestling show down there, and then WrestleMania afterwards. Well, it's three years ago now, when the Hardys turned up. That's three WrestleManias ago? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. So that was the last time that I actually stayed up all night to watch. Well, it's with the network. You don't need to. That's I can sit at home at 7 o'clock in the evening and watch it quite happily. I'm not worried about spoilers, so it doesn't bother me. Yeah, that's exactly my and, point, too, is that you can just watch it the next morning or the next day or whenever you feel yeah. like it. That's right. It's been a while since I've done question marks, but I have what I call the DC dozen, which are 13 because it's a baker's dozen uh, of my own questions for you to wrap the show up. Mr. Abbott, are you ready, sir? I am, sir. Uh, question number one, who is your favorite wrestler of all time? The Undertaker. Outside of wrestling, who inspires you? Oh, my mother. What has been the most important development in pro wrestling in your lifetime? Uh, televising. The, the way that uh, it's developed, yeah, you know, the way that they televise it, the way it's developed over the years, been amazing. Right, next one. What is one word that you would like to banish from all wrestling vernacular, either on TV or on social media? Buried. That's a very common answer. Uh, what is your favorite match of all time? Oh, I've, there's so many. Uh, I would say, personally, it has to be, because I was there, the Bulldog against Bret Hart for the IC title at SummerSlam 92. Uh, this, I can't wait to hear the answer to this question. What is a hidden talent that you possess? I haven't got any. I don't hide my talents. <laughs> well, we've just spent the last two hours <laughs> talking about all of them. That's it. I'm, I'm sure you'll come up with one. In like two weeks, you'll break something out in the bestie chat and you'll be like, oh, by the way, you know, I was a professional <laughs> cave diver for like six years. And I'll go, oh, great. We didn't talk about that at all. All right. Uh, we've talked about your favorite match of all time, your favorite feud of all time. Undertaker Mankind um, leading up to Hell in the Cell. 
I am just getting to the first match between them at King of the Ring 96. I'm very excited. Uh So good at promos. Absolutely so good. Those Mankind early promos when he was pulling his hair out and everything. Unbelievable. Now, this is a question that most people have thought about. You've lived it. Uh, What profession in the wrestling world would you like to attempt? The only one that um, ring announcing is the only one that I haven't done that I'd want to do. Have you been a referee? I certainly wouldn't want to be a referee. No, I wouldn't want to be. (laughs) Again. In any sport, I wouldn't want that job. (laughs) Again, I was like, let me guess. You had a referee career again I didn't know about. Uh, If you had to introduce someone to the world of wrestling, what match would you give them to watch? Um, Progress Chapter 26. Mark Haskins versus... Flash Morgan Webster. I'm really going to have to watch progress now. Uh, question number 10. Describe your perfect day. Oh, that's a hard one. I ask, I, I ask tough questions here, Glenn. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is a toughie. My, my perfect day, I was... I, I, um, one of my best days that I've ever had was that one trip down to... Uh, Cardiff, which was a nice journey down there on two buses um, and a few drinks with a few of the lads from Twitter that I didn't had never met face to face and then going to the show in the evening seeing Flash wrestle live again you know, as the full Flash Morgan Webster and not as a kid and then uh, watching Wrestlemania with one of the highlights of very many WrestleManias, which was the Hardy Boys turning up. Um, uh, the whole place, even there, in the in the bar, erupted when they came, when they came out, introduced by the uh, New Day. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a very good day. So I would say going to wrestling. Going to wrestling would be my perfect day. If you could be the Grand High Poobah of wrestling, what is the first rule you would make, and why? Give the wrestlers the chance to write their own stories. Excellent answer. Because because the wrestlers, all the wrestlers that I know, know more about it than any of the writers that write the storylines. And they create, because these guys, they have to do it. They've been doing it for week in and week out just to earn a living in the small promotions, they have to tell a story within a 10 minute match or whatever. So they get, they get really good at storytelling. Listen to the wrestlers. Don't rely on people that are just going to write stories the same way as they would for any soap opera. And you've seen it even looking back at, in at nineties. Why are these two, why are these two individuals actually don't like each other enough to fight? Excellent answer. Something, again, you know, you you think of the Attitude Era and how successful that was. And and granted, some of the Attitude Era is not watchable, but you gave wrestlers a chance to kind of steer the ship, and they did great. Why would you not do that again? 
every time that every time that Steve Austin kicked somebody's butt, it was for a reason. Exactly. And you knew two weeks before the reason why he was going to turn up that night and kick Vince's butt. All right, for you, I'm making this a two-part question. Uh, the question is, who is on your Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling? So, first part, any you know, anywhere. Your Mount Rushmore, four four names. Taker, Saint, Regal, and Tyler Bay, because he's going to be the new generation. I really think so. He's so good. Um, that means you only have to, because I was going to say, now do a UK version. So take take her out of it. Who's the fourth one? Oh, I've got to be Pete Dunne then. All right. Your final question, sir. What does pro wrestling mean to you? Um, an unbelievable entertainment. Uh, I've been privileged enough to be able to take part in it and watch it uh, it gives it's uh, underestimated by a lot of people as to how entertaining it is and most people and you normally find if people give it a chance they actually get hooked on it there's very few people that I've known that actually who didn't like wrestling and then have actually watched some wrestling and then have actually carried on watching it because they get hooked on it and that's what annoys me about the, the lack of stories, because if you could put those stories in as well, you'd get even more people. You know, it doesn't need to be a soap opera. Just give the give the guys the reasons why this, this is happening and B's happening. That's all you need. So you said unbelievably entertaining. I got to say, Glenn, I think people yeah. are going to find these conversations, not that I did anything, unbelievably entertaining. <laughs> you are... Thank Perhaps you. the most fascinating person I have ever met on Twitter. It Certainly. has been a true pleasure, sir. Uh, anytime. You would, we don't you. even have to tell stories. We can just we can chat about what's going on in the world of wrestling. We can chat about anything else. You have a standing invitation uh, onto any of the podcast airwaves that I have some semblance of control over, and I have a feeling Doc Manson wouldn't argue with me. So it has been a pleasure, sir. Yeah. Thank you very much. Love to do one one day with a pair of you, yes. We'll make that happen. Uh, he is Armbar Abbott at GA WrestleNut. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. This has been question marks. Uh, hopefully this will be at least a semi quasi almost regular thing until next time, folks have yourselves a fantastic evening or morning. <laughs>